you don't know me, um, one or two of you, I, I think you all know me, but I'm Paul anyway. Not the apostle, just Paul, one of the elders here. Um, Mark chapter 1, verses 14 to 20. As I was uh, spending a bit of time with this this morning, um, just, just going through my notes and praying, I found myself singing a little song, a little Salvation Army chorus that you, you always get my little Salvation Army choruses. It all comes out of my history, and it was just a little song. And I, I remember we used to sit in prayer meetings and sing little songs. And it's, this one was, make me a blessing, make me a blessing, make me a, uh, make me a blessing to someone today. Make me a blessing, I pray. Because that was our prayer. I realized so much of how I grew up was, we, we, we talk about kingdom now, and I, I just thank God for my history, and I thank God for the Salvation, Salvation Army, which was not about coming together to do church, but going out there to do church. It's about making us a blessing to the world. But I pray, my prayer, I found myself singing it, and I thought, God, make me a blessing to Jubilee today, and then make them a blessing to me. But um, Mark chapter 1, verses 14 to 20. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for there were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he'd gone a little further, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat, preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. As you're probably aware, uh, we have now begun working through the Gospel of Mark on Sunday mornings, and it could take a long, long time, uh, especially at the rate we're going. And... uh, but I, I want to give you the context. I know you'll have heard uh, the previous two weeks on, on Mark. I, we were, Jean and I were away having a, a little break. and um, So I haven't heard what was preached before. So I, I just thought I'd give a context for these verses. The beginning of Mark starts by telling the story, telling us of John the Baptist. Uh, he's a man sent from God to prepare the way for the coming of Jesus, the Messiah. Uh, John was an unusual guy. Bit like an Old Testament prophet, he dressed in camel hair clothing with a belt book around his waist. For food, he ate locusts and wild honey. Strange guy. You know, didn't do steak. Locusts and wild honey. It's a bit like Friar Tuck, I imagine. You know, that, that sort of picture of a, a guy in a, a, a cloak with a belt around his waist, you know. Um, a bit wild, a bit unusual. And you think, God, why would you use him? Uh, and, and that's just God. He always chooses to use people who are a bit different, um, as well as a bit ordinary. And uh, he comes, he, God chooses John the Baptist, and he uses this guy, and he brings this message, this message of repentance. Turn away from your life of sin and put your trust in God. And so he encouraged the people to be baptized in water for the forgiveness of their sins. And he had a huge impact. We don't realize, when we read scripture, we don't realize what a huge impact he had on the Jewish community all around Jerusalem as thousands came to the River Jordan to be baptized. And all the time he was preaching, he's saying, there's one coming after me who's much mightier than I am. I'm not even fit to tie up his shoelaces. 
I'm, I'm here baptizing you with water, but when he comes, he will baptize you. He will drench you. He will fill you to overflowing with the Holy Spirit of God. So G- G- John the Baptist, his whole role was to point people to Jesus. Point people to Jesus. And say, he's coming. He's coming soon. And so among the crowds who came to be baptized by John came this carpenter called Jesus. He didn't stand out in the crowd. He was just one of the mass. And yet as John baptized him, so the heavens parted and the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, came like a dove and rested on Jesus. And then there's this amazing voice from heaven. You're my beloved son. You're my child whom I love with you. I'm well pleased. This is the moment when Jesus is set apart for his amazing ministry. Up until, up until that time, although he was the sinless son of God, he was just one of the crowd. He hadn't done any miracles. But from this moment on, Jesus is affirmed and empowered for the task God set before him. Interestingly, the, the very first thing that happens after this, he's like baptized, the Holy Spirit comes on him, the, the, the voice from heaven. The very first thing that happens is that the Holy Spirit, who is now dwelling in him, leads him, impels him. The, the, the word in the Greek there is not just led him. It's nearly like forces him away from the crowds and off into the wilderness, where for 40 days we're told he was tempted of the devil. It's as though the very first thing that happens as Jesus is empowered for ministry, he has to go and kind of work it out, do business with the Father, deal with the devil, sort it out, get before God. And there's loads we can learn from what Jesus went through in the wilderness, but I'm not dealing with that today. Suffice us to say that when Jesus comes back from the wilderness, after those 40 days of temptation, we're told in Luke 4:14. Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and a report about him went out through all the surrounding country. Now Jesus is not just one of the crowd. Now he stands out. And that is the context for the few verses I've read. And so I have three points I want to use to hang my comments on this morning. Number one, now is the time. Number two, a quick response and number three, called to purpose. Now is the time. My, my mummy, bless her, she's coming up on 92, as is my dad. And, um, and my grandma, her, my mummy's mummy, they, they used to say to me all the time as I was growing up, there's no time like the present. Sounds obvious, doesn't it? But you know when you say, one day, I might do that. I might do it tomorrow. Do you, how many people like to do things tomorrow? I'll do that. How about mowing the lawn? There's two options. Do it tomorrow, I'll get Jean to do it. <laughs> and so the latter option is usually, however. I'll do it tomorrow. Tomorrow I will. How many people in the Christian life I hear going, one day? One day I'm going to be so significant in God. One day. One day I'll make a real difference. One day. The problem is with one day, it never comes because it's always in the future. My mommy and my grandma, there's no time like the present. If you're going to do it, do it now. 
You can still hear their voices. Do it now. Jesus came from the wilderness to Galilee, preaching the good news that the moment had come for which all of history had been waiting. God's kingdom had come to the earth. Those of you who were at North this year will remember how Jeremy preached about the kingdom and the presence of God. Do you remember? No. Okay. Let me refresh your memory. He said, first we see it in the Garden of Eden, this amazing place of existence where everything was perfect, where God ruled supreme and Adam and Eve lived in perfect relationship with God as Father. In that environment, there was no death, there was no sickness, there was no pain, there was no sorrow. And then because of their sin, mankind is cast out of the garden, cast out from the, presence and, from the place of God's presence and kingdom rule. Because they're excluded from God's kingdom, so death, sickness, pain, sorrow comes into the world. Jeremy then went on to show us how God still desired to be with mankind, to dwell with them. But for that to happen, our sin, our self-centeredness, our self-reliance and our independence from God had to be dealt with. And so God, God had a plan. Just, just that statement, God had a plan. He who is perfect, he who made it all, had a plan. That's good to know, isn't it? We live in a world that says everything's an accident. There's no plan, it's just random. Don't we? Education says, well, it just evolved all by itself. It just happened. It's a fluke. It worked out. Amazing. I, I don't find any joy in that. I don't find any comfort in that. I think it's stupid. I think it's completely stupid, actually. It's just because it's anti-God. But it's stupid. It's, it's like taking a, wrist, a, 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 a watch, a pocket watch, putting all the bits on the floor and watching it come back together all by itself. It's crazy. It's stupid. Scientists at one level talk about this thing called entropy. Enthalpy. Entropy. Entropy. That's better. You know what I'm talking about, anybody? No, okay. What basically is the thing, it's this, that things go from good to bad. Things degenerate, they don't improve. Okay? You build a house, leave it on its own, eventually it'll fall down if you don't maintain it. Everything goes down. That's just how it works. Everything degenerates. That's entropy. We live in a world that teaches that, except when we talk about everything that exists, it all happened by itself. It's just an accident. Well, that's stupid. I want to tell you that God made it, and I want to tell you that God has a plan, and he's in charge, and he's working it out. I'm comforted by that. God has a plan. Hallelujah. And he's much cleverer than me. And you. And so what does, what does God do? He chooses the people for himself. His presence is next seen in the Holy of Holies in the temple among his people. For the children of Israel, this was for years a tent. God dwelt in a tent, this big clever tent with a little inner chamber called the Holy of Holies. And that's where God lived. 
And the symbol of that was the Ark of the Covenant, and I don't want to go into all of that, but that's where God lived. That's, that's where his presence was. It was so holy. It was so powerful in there. Nobody could go in except the high priest, and he could only go in once a year. So God was present among his people, and yet he wasn't. He was so near, but yet so far. He was nearly there, but, but they couldn't access this. In that little room, in that little place was his kingdom rule. But what good is a small room to the whole world? What, what good is a small room to, to, to a whole world of people who, who are lost in their sin and, and don't know God? When, and, and only a holy man can go in, and he can only go in once a year. And what you do then is you have to tie a piece of rope on him in case he gets struck dead. And if he doesn't come out, eventually you'll pull him out. What good's that room to a lost and dying world? So the people of God, they knew he was present and said, God, if you won't go with us, we won't go. But, but, but he was so near, but yet so far. And they get to Jerusalem and they build a temple in Jerusalem and the same applies again. And they have a temple and an outer court and an inner court and the Holy of Holies. And the Holy of Holies, again, is this little room where God dwells. And still it's inaccessible to the whole world. And so the people of God, they couldn't really enjoy the kingdom. They obeyed for a bit and then kept wandering off, became disobedient. And eventually God allows them to be taken into captivity. Even the temple was destroyed and the little room was gone. Wow. God's still working out his plans. Still working out his plans. After 70 years, the people of God were allowed back to Jerusalem. We went through Daniel, didn't we, last year? Last year? Last? Uh, no, this year, just beginning of the year. Sorry, um, where, where, didn't we? Did we do, did anybody remember we preached a bit from Daniel? We preached all of it, right? Do you remember they were in captivity for 70 years, all of that? But eventually they came back to Jerusalem, allowed back to Jerusalem. Eventually the temple is, is, is rebuilt, and it's at this time in history Jesus, the Son of God, is born in Bethlehem. God's working out his plan. He's working out his plan. The fulfillment of the ages is fast approaching. God's perfect plan is, is, is getting nearer and nearer to being worked out. And now in the verses we read, we read together, Jesus comes back from Galilee, from the 40 days of temptation in the wilderness, and he's saying, the time has come. This is the moment. The kingdom is at hand. It's right now. It's not tomorrow. It's not the next day. It's not even this afternoon. It's now. You know, we talk about Jesus coming again. We say, one day. One day there'll be a trumpet. Wow. That, that's good. But you know, the one day will become now. Think about one days. They do become now. Well, for me, I, I, I get excited about that. But Jesus is saying, actually, the main day has already come. Here it is. I've come. This is it. This is what you've been waiting for. So where was the kingdom and presence of God now? Right there, wherever Jesus was. God was now walking the earth as a man full of the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus is saying, repent, turn away from your old life, turn to me and I will give you life with a capital L. You can live life as I want you to, as it was always intended to be. And from here on, we see that Jesus attracted the crowds. 
as I've already quoted from Luke 14, a report about him went out through all the surrounding countryside. People were talking about Jesus. He was on everybody's lips. Have you heard about that carpenter? What is he doing? He's doing amazing things. He's saying amazing things. And you know what? He's ever so attractive. I find myself being drawn to him. This guy, he used to be anonymous. He's not anonymous anymore. He's amazing. Wow. He was the talk of the whole area. It seemed to me that everywhere he went, he, he demonstrated the presence of God and the kingdom of God by healing the sick, working miracles, casting out demons, even raising the dead. So he's not just saying the kingdom of God has come. He says, I'm telling you, the kingdom is here. Watch this. Watch this. My friend's dead. He's alive again. This man's been crippled from birth. He can walk now. This person's been blind for years and years. Now they can see. This person's bound up with fears and, and, and seems to be like the demonic stuff, stuff they can't get free. They're free now. That's what Jesus was doing and everybody's going, wow, this guy, this moment, the, the, it's, this is it, isn't it? Isn't it? History would never be the same again. God's kingdom had broken into this world in a new way. And when we get to Pentecost, the beginning of Acts, after Jesus' death, resurrection, and ascension back to heaven, Jesus pours out the Holy Spirit of God upon all those who put their trust in him. Now he, the Holy Spirit of God, could, who had come and rested on Jesus in the form of a dove, came upon the people of God who were gathered in the upper room. Do you remember the... Remember the story? Do you read your Bible? It's a good book. I recommend it. This time, this time when the Holy Spirit came, he didn't come in the form of a dove, but he came with tongues of cleansing and empowering fire. Now the presence of God and the kingdom of God was poured into the hearts and lives of the people of God, which is called the church. Wow. That's what Jesus did. It's all about Jesus. He opened the door. He, he's, he said, the time has come. Follow me. Now we, the church, are the carriers of the presence of God. Now we, the church, are to demonstrate the presence of the kingdom of God wherever we go, just like Jesus did. Where does God live? In us. Yes, in heaven. But understand, God lives in the church. The time has come. The time came when Jesus was filled. He comes out away from the wilderness and he says, the time has come and the time still exists because all that is done is go on and on and on from the power of God and the kingdom of God being in Jesus the Savior. But he's opened it up for the whole world to say, you too can come into this kingdom. You too can be part of the people of God and you too can be filled with the same power that I am and you together as the people of God will do the works that I have done. The time has come. 
and it hasn't gone away. What's our message to Teesside? What's our message to to the nation? What's our message to the world? The time came over 2,000 years ago, but the time is still now. God's here right now. This morning, God is here right now. He hasn't gone away. We don't have to go to a special little room and, and, and do holy things. He's here right now. This is good news, isn't it? This is good news. We, have, we offer hope to a lost world. We offer healing to the sick. We offer freedom to the captives. Act, 60, Act 61, Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me. My understanding has always been that's now true of us, the church. The Spirit of God is upon us, for he has anointed us to bring healing, to bring the gospel, to bring hope. To bring the kingdom. Wow. I get, forgive me for getting excited. It's not much gets me excited these days, but this does. I was, I was talking to somebody this week, in the last little while, saying, Do you remember when you were a kid and you used to get really excited about Christmas? Or about holidays? Or about. Or about, do you, do you remember? Yo. Do, do, maybe I'm just an old fuddy-duddy, but as I get older, it's like, oh yeah, it's Christmas, that's nice. Do, uh, anybody understand what I'm talking about? It's, it's, it's a bit like, where's the, where's the mystery? Where, well, not, not, I'm not talking, you know, I'm, I'm different. I, we we kind of get familiar, and so we take it in our stride, and we go, oh yeah, that's nice. Can I say to those of us who are older, Let's never do that with God and his kingdom. Let's never do that with the church. Never think, oh, well, that's nice. No, no, this is life-changing. This is worth getting excited for. This is worth giving your life to and keeping going and keeping going until you go to glory. I, the thought of just putting my feet up in my latter years and think, well, that's nice. Thank you, Lord. You're working it out. That's good. Oh, where's the excitement? The time came. The time came when Jesus came away from the wilderness and it hasn't gone away. This is the time. This is the moment. That's what I want to just go. Something in me wants to go. Can you get it? Do you feel it? Do you see it? Because we're part of it. It's not like I watch from a distance and we're in it. This is it. It's us. The time has come. It's us. Wow. Let me move on. A quick response. I'll have a drink of water. You know, we talk about the gospel and I sometimes think when we do that, we're not quite sure what we mean. We talk about the gospel and people say, well, you know, you're in sin, you need saving. We call that the gospel. And we go to the other extreme and talk about feeding the hungry and we call that the gospel. The gospel is the good news of the kingdom of God coming to earth in Christ Jesus and then Jesus filling the people of God who've been set free from their sin and saying, now the time has come for the world. Go into all the world with this gospel of the kingdom. 
See people healed. See people restored. People, see people born again. See people develop into all they can be as human beings full of the Spirit of God. That's the gospel. It's a big gospel, not a small gospel. A quick response. So Jesus has come. People are starting to talk about him. He's back. He begins to call people to follow him. He starts with four ordinary guys who are fishermen. Just ordinary fishermen, probably stank of fish. All the time. Who's your friend? You know that sort of... Wow. That's that sort of situation. You see Simon and his brother Andrew casting their nets into the sea and he says to them, you two, follow me. I will make you fishers of men and women. And we're told in our reading that immediately, immediately, they left their nets and followed Jesus. Immediately. Who is this guy? Don't know, but I'm following him. Jesus continues walking along the shore, comes across James and his brother John, who are in their boat, mending their nets alongside their father Zebedee. Jesus doesn't stop and have a long chat. He just, he just says to them, you two, come, follow me. And, and, and we read again that when he called, they left their nets with their father, and with the other guys who worked for him, and they followed Jesus too. Notice they didn't want to know all the details. They didn't ponder or debate. Shall, shall we follow a, a man? How, how do I know who he is? They just followed him there and then. You see, when Jesus calls, that's always the best response. When Jesus says, follow me, the best answer, okay. I'll do that then. Because Jesus is the Son of God. He's the one who has the words of eternal life. He's he's the one in whom dwells the presence and the power of the kingdom of God. He's the one who saves our soul. He wants to, he, he's the one who delivers us. He's the one who gives us new life. He's the one, all of that. When Jesus calls, the answer is, yes, I'm coming. Right now. Oh, would there be lots of unanswered questions? Loads of them. Would there be doubts? I'm certain there would. But choosing to follow Jesus is rarely an intellectual exercise. My, my, my experience is in, in our Western English educated societies, we like it all explained and we, we wrestle through all sorts of things and arguments. And I'm not against that. All I'm saying is this. You go to another country, many parts of the world, and you say to people, let me go. I could go to an African village and I'll tell people about Jesus and say, will you follow him? And they'll go, yes. Jonathan Cando was with us three weeks ago. Did you enjoy him, by the way, my friend Jonathan? He's so African. It was wonderful. I love it, I love it, I love it. Well, he went back, he had a Sunday off, and, and two Sundays ago, five people came to the Lord. Last Sunday, 15 came to the Lord. Okay? Praise God. He's got people, I, I mean, we need to serve this guy because we can see a huge revival if we want to. We really can. And you don't have to go and explain. And well, no, you just say, here's God. He has the words of eternal life. Jesus died for you on the cross. Follow him. Okay. Okay. Do they have unanswered questions? Yes. They've probably got questions they haven't thought of yet. 
I love that. I would encourage us always to be quick to respond and say yes. If you're here this morning and you think, well, I'm, I, I don't know. Well, I tell you, the very fact that you're here is a clue. Jesus is calling you to follow him today. Don't hang about. Don't spend a week debating it, thinking, well, I don't know. Just say yes and start the journey. Will you have unanswered questions? Loads of them. Loads of them. But you know what? He will teach you. Because he's like that. Becoming a Christian, deciding to put our trust in Jesus and follow him, is simply that. Choosing to follow a man called Jesus, who loves us, who died for us, who conquered death for us, and who now wants to live to give his life to us he wants to give us life with a capital L. That's what it means to follow Jesus. I don't have to be clever. Do not even little children can put their trust in Jesus and they can follow him. I became a Christian when I was seven and I knew the gospel before that. I knew about Jesus before that. I was taught on my grandma's knee before I could talk and walk the stories of Jesus. And, and, and I came to that point when I was seven on little t- shy, timid little boy who, who it was decision Sunday in the Salvation Army and you, they make you all lie down and they'll tell you the gospel and say, now who wants to give their lives to Jesus? And I'm like thinking, well, I probably should really. Uh, and, but, I, you know, I'm scared. So the lady said, and Paul, what about you? Yeah, okay. I remember it vividly. Yeah, okay. Right? But, oh, what a glorious day. Not because I felt wonderful, but somehow I felt afterwards, I got up and I remember having to go to my mom and say, I, I, I put my trust in Jesus today. Did I know what it all meant? No, no. All I know is this. Jesus said, will you follow me? And I said, yes. I'm still working out what that means. Over 50 years later. But oh, it's wonderful. It's what life's all about. In fact, you know, Jesus encourages us to come to him with the simplicity of a child. Don't come asking all your questions. Come for a relationship. Come to him who has life. Come to him who loves you. Because the Christian life is all about relationship. But finding out that we are loved by God with an everlasting love and are choosing to turn away from relying on ourselves and relying on what Jesus does for us, did for us on the cross. We begin to get to know God as our Father. And we find that he's a Father who, who, is, who loves us and who is for us, who wants us to be forgiven of our sin and who wants to baptize us, to deluge us with the Holy Spirit, his Holy Spirit, just as he did with Jesus, his Son. And he said, I, I, I want you to have all of this. I want to come and make my home with you. That's what he says. Come, let me, let me make my home with you. And you think, well, I, I haven't got all the answers and I'm not good enough. No, no, settle it now. You're not good enough. And yes, you've done terrible things or you may not have. It doesn't matter. It's not about what you've done. It's about what he did on a cross. And he dies for your sin. And he says, right, I've paid the price for all that you've done and all you'll ever do. So now the door's wide open. Do, do you want some? Do you want some life? Do you want forgiveness? Do you want meaning? Do you want purpose? Well, follow me then. And so we go on our journey. We go, wow. And we stumble along and we fall a bit, but oh, 
He said, let me fill you with the Holy Spirit. And he, he fills us and, and you think, well, that, that was great, but I feel a bit dry today. He said, yeah, the idea is you keep being filled. I was praying this morning and my, as I'm going through singing, make me a blessing today, Lord. And, and I was saying, God, fill me today. Fill me today. Give, put something in me that I've got to give. Put something in me that I can pour out. I need to be, keep being filled because I leak a lot. And so do you. So Jesus says to us today, come and follow me. Come and follow me. Now's the time. You up for that? Are you up for that? It's important. Don't put it off till tomorrow. Do it now. Saying yes to Jesus is what makes life work. That's been my experience. Say yes to Jesus. My last point is this, called to purpose. It's not very long. When Jesus says, come and follow me, he's inviting us to come and find a real purpose and meaning to our lives. He says to the fishermen, follow me and I will make you fishers of men and women. They don't know what that means, but, but, but it's like saying, well, I, I don't know what it means, but I'm up for the adventure. How many of you like an adventure? It's harder as I get older. I was never been that adventurous. And to be honest now, it's like the old timidities of childhood. Are, they keep wanting to raise up inside me. And I'm thinking, God, no, I don't want to be timid. I want to go on adventures with you. I still want to go to Africa some more. I still, I still want to get amongst it. I want to go and visit the, the church plants, the, these 11 church planters in Tanzania. I want to go and do that, and yet I don't. <laughs> do, 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 do that make sense? I, I want to do it. I want to get alongside them. I want to be with them. I want, I, I want to talk to the people. I, I want to love on the people, and yet I don't. Because it's not all going to be a joy. And it, it, <laughs> the, the, You just look at the toilets and you think, Lord, help me. Being honest, I think I said to you before. I said I said to them when I was out there. I said I could take some of my if I brought some of my folk here, they'd die. So I took some of you out, you'd die. You wouldn't cope. It's it's different. That's not despising Africa. It's just different. But we live in a in a bubble of of sanitization, in every sense. But Jesus said, will you follow me? Will you follow me and go on adventures, adventures of faith, adventures of exploration, adventures of knowing who I am and and empowering the Spirit, adventures of who you can be, adventures of helping others and impacting others and and seeing Teesside transformed and nations transformed. Will you come on that adventure? And we say, yeah. (laughs) I will make you... Fishers of men and women, what on earth is that? But Jesus didn't just call fishermen. He called tax collectors and doctors, for example. I can imagine him saying to a tax collector, come and follow me and I will make you a collector of the blessings of the kingdom of God so you can bless the world. I can can imagine him saying, you keep taking money, let me give you some things that you can give away. Let, let, me, let me take you on an adventure of generosity, of abundance, of blessing. Do, do you want to... Wow. Do you remember Zacchaeus? Those of you who know the story, this, this, this guy who was a, he was a tax collector and everybody hated him. He was a Jew serving the Romans and, and he would rip people off and stand, you know, he, he, he would 
take, take the money and put half of it in his pocket. That sort of thing. He was corrupt. And Jesus is coming by and he's a little guy and he can't see, so he goes up his sycamore tree and he, he's thinking, I'll have a look. And Jesus stops at the tree and goes, Zacchaeus. Oh, that means me. Come down, I want to come to your house for tea. All right. You never hear Zacchaeus in the story. You never hear Zacchaeus going through a whole process of repentance. All he says is this. I want to follow you. If I've ripped people off, I'll pay them back fourfold. Repentance has come because he met Jesus. See, the, the answer, we need to meet Jesus. We need to keep meeting Jesus. The gospel is a gospel of come and meet a man who will change your life. Come and meet a man who's paid the price. Come and meet a man who will change the world. Come and meet a man who is, is the embodiment of the power and the kingdom of God. And he says, come, you come to me and I will give you life with a capital L. And now everything I've got, you're going to have too. Wow. That's the gospel. Called to a purpose. I can imagine calling a doctor got a few here in the room, haven't we? Just come and follow me and I'll gift you with kingdom gifts of healing and insight so you may bring the blessings and the healing of the kingdom to, to a lost and dying world. doesn't just wrap you up there, he then says, but I will make you a blessing to everybody who you meet. And I can imagine him calling an engineer. I'm one of those saying, come and follow me and I will empower you to understand, create, develop and maintain all sorts of things. Come and follow me and I will make your life bring glory to me. You call artists. Come, come and follow me and paint pictures that I will give you. And you know, sometimes I, I, it's a bit, I, I kind of understand. I, I, I go around the place often saying I'm not very, I'm not very, crea- I'm not very creative or I'm not very uh, artistic and that sort of thing. And I get into trouble because people tell me off and I, sh- I shouldn't say that. And I, I do apologize because actually I probably am much more creative and much more artistic than I think. But because I'm an engineer, I kind of lock myself in that bubble. And we all lock ourselves in a bubble. But, but what I feel is God says, I want to break you out of the bubble of your natural self. So it could be a doctor, it could be an engineer, it could be anything. But what he says, he says to all of you, it could be an artist, paint pictures, but understand this, you paint them for me. And the world catches the fallout. He says to an engineer, you design it for me. And the world gets the blessing. He says to a musician, you do it and you get the songs of heaven or the music of heaven and you do it for me and the world catches the blessing. Do you understand? It's not like, I'll I'll give you this so you can do that. It's, uh, first you do it to me. So people could make big steam engines for the glory of God. We think, oh, well, that's, that's just engineering. No, no, that's hugely creative. That's hugely creative. Hugely creative to the glory of God. 
You look at all the things that have been built and you think, if we do it for God, if we do it first for him, the world gets the blessing. God wants to empower us. He says, I want my kingdom to come. And every facet of what you do as a people, with all your different skills and all your different things, I mean, oh, the music of heaven, all of that. You know what? Do it to me and do it for me and the world will catch the fallout. As I was preparing this preach, I, I have Spotify on my computer and I have a couple of nice big speakers either side of me an 80-watt amplifier, and I was listening uh, to, to Mahler's second symphony called Resurrection. Anybody? Not so. Know what I'm talking about. One, right? Two. I tell you what, that last movement particularly is glorious. Now, did my, I, I, I don't actually know the, the story, and Mahler, like most of a lot of these people, seem to be rogues in certain areas of their lives. But this I know. I copped the fallout of his creativity on Friday. Jean's down says, that's ever so loud, that's what she said. <laughs> I said, yeah, but listen to this. Oh, it lifts you in your spirit. It's like, wow, I can soar on the wings of heaven. And you know what the danger is? We, we turn on Radio 1 and we listen to boom, boom, boom. Do you do that? Don't even do music now. They just speak it. Don't, don't. That's how it evolves. It's progressive. Really? Each to their own. I, I, I'm not despising anything. All I'm saying... Much. Right. All I'm saying is don't get locked in a little bubble and say, I cannot appreciate. I've been there often. Because I can look at a picture and go, that's clever, not get what it's... doesn't mean I can't learn to get it. See what, see what I'm saying? I, I, I can learn to begin to appreciate. For me to learn to get it, I probably need to put Mahler's Symphony on, and I, oh, I start to get it. Because we're, we're complex people. But a people full of the Holy Spirit with all our different gifts, with all the things we bring to the party, all our different perceptions and appreciations, full of the Spirit of God, doing it for him and for his glory, empowered to do the works that Jesus did. That means we can reach all of society. That means we can reach everybody. We can reach the engineers. We can reach the unemployed. Because it's not about what job you are, what your title is. It's the fact of who are you following? And his name is Jesus. And when you're following Jesus, your life with a capital L can be amazing, called to purpose. But the purpose is his glory. That's the first purpose. His glory, his praise. What's the, what's the plan of God? That the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God as the waters cover the sea. Hallelujah. That's the purpose. Called to purpose. Oh, today, today, whoever you are, Jesus is saying to you, come and follow me, and I will take you on an adventure, on an adventure beyond your wildest dreams. I'll forgive your sin and shame. I'll fill you with my Holy Spirit 
to empower you for a life of purpose and meaning with God as your Father, and it will be a life that goes on forever into eternity. And for those of us who've started following Jesus many years ago, he doesn't want us to settle. Anybody settled? Well, I've got a church. I love the Lord. I'm just waiting to go to heaven. I'll die. I, I, I think that, that's what Jody was talking about. Wasn't that a great word? There's a difference between not dead and being alive. And he says, I don't want you to be not dead yet. I want you to be alive. And stay alive. Every day, on the adventure, glorifying God. And you have to fight for it, for it sometimes, but I just feel Jesus is saying to all of us, I have new adventures for you yet. There's more. But this will always be found in following me. Are we up for it? Yes. Let's stand. I'm just going to pray. Do you want to say something? Yeah, go for it. I think that was a sobering talk, actually, this morning. I felt God was really speaking to us.